welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocato Press, based in Louisville, Kentucky. Hello, Disruptors. You're in for a treat today. I am interviewing Jerry Gordon Brown, who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in Frankfort, Kentucky in 1964, and she's going to talk to us about that experience and also what we in the disability community can learn from the civil rights movements of the 1960s. So welcome, Jerry Gordon Brown. Okay, you're going to give me an opportunity to say all the good things about me. I am. Welcome, Jerry. Tell me all about Jerry Gordon Brown. Okay, I was born, my name is Jerry Gordon Brown. Um, Previously, though, it's Geraldine Yvonne Gordon Brown, okay? But I had to cut some of that out. It's Jerry Gordon Brown, okay? It's too much. Okay, I was born 82 years ago in Pulaski, Tennessee, a small town located 71 miles south of Nashville. As far as my parents knew, my disability, which is bilateral profound hearing loss, is caused by my parents' RH blood factors. One is RH positive and the other one is RH negative, okay? And then also it's due to some hereditary factors on my grandparents' side, on my father's side. At that time in 1940, when I was born, the city's economy was basically farming. And our city of Pulaski was known for show horses, walking, Tennessee walking horses. And of course, we learned a great deal about um, farming because everything that we had on the table came from farming to the to the um, to bring to bring it to the table for our food. Also, my mother made all of our clothes more or less. Uh, Mom and dad did not attend college, but they believed in education. It was very important and instilled in ours. And by the way, I was the oldest of four children, and I had uh, three girls and one boy. My two sisters and I, we did attend college. I went to Kentucky State College, but it's now a university. And my and my sisters went to Tennessee State University in Nashville. Okay. Throughout my growing up years, I was encouraged to accept my disability and to speak up on my behalf. I was the product of a very protective environment, both at home and at college. My college advisors were very supportive and also my roommates were very supportive. Uh, In later years, my mother became very ill with tuberculosis while we were living in Tennessee. That is the reason that we were relocated in Louisville in 1946. 
mom came here to be treated and she stayed in Waverly Hills Sanitarium three and a half long years. My sisters and I were in foster care here in Louisville. Mother wanted us to be near her. Um, fortunately, we had a wonderful foster mother. We kept in contact with her until we were adults and she passed away. I successfully completed elementary school, junior high in my day, and it was known as middle school, high and also high school in Louisville, Kentucky, and four years of college without hearing aids. At that time, I had a great deal of residual hearing, and there was no hearing aid market on the market to fit my hearing loss. After graduation from Central High School in Louisville, Kentucky, I became a client of the Bureau of Vocational Rehabilitation. That's the name that it was known at that time, but now it is Department of Vocational Rehabilitation. I received a bachelor's degree uh, from Kentucky State, a master's degree from Webster University, and I successfully completed a, a graduate level of peer mentoring professional studies certification program from Gallaudet in Washington, D.C. This program allowed me to do advocacy on behalf of hearing impaired, the deaf, the deafblind who sought services and adaptive devices to make a have a better quality of life. Thus, I had the pleasure of assisting many consumers who are hearing impaired and to some degree visually impaired. I have been married and divorced. And after the birth of my daughter, Carla, I started wearing one aid in the left ear. And then later on, my hearing decreased and I now wear two digital high-powered aids, which are very helpful in my communication with family, friends, com uh, consumers, and also my board, board of directors uh, uh, participation, and also my overall travel and participation in daily living activities. In July of this year, I plan to travel to Canada to a deaf, wow. yeah, a deaf and hard of hearing convention. I have worked in the human service field in three states, Ohio, Indiana, and of course, Kentucky. It has been my pleasure to advocate for consumers with all kinds of disabilities who were clients of vocational rehabilitation. On July 31st, 2015, I retired from full-time employment with the Commonwealth of Kentucky. As Congratulations. Director, yeah, as director <laughs> of the Kentucky Client Assistance Program. 
Throughout my many years of employment, I have received many awards. To name a few, the Arthur Campbell Jr. Advocacy Award in 2011, the Charles McDowell Education and Advocacy Award in, 2000, um, in, in 2007. And in 2007, I was inducted into the Kentucky Civil Rights Hall of Fame. Wow. Um, okay. In 2000, I received the University of Louisville Disability Awareness Award, which is the Bill Cox Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, on a personal level, like I stated, I have one daughter. I have a wonderful daughter, Carla Elizabeth, who is married to a wonderful son-in-law, Kevin. And I have three grandsons whom I refer to as my three wise men, Jaron, Jalen, and Javon. Um, on, I attend church and I go to the Kentucky Center for the Arts. And then when I have a little free time, I work and play with my wonderful great-grandchildren. I have four. I have four. One boy and three girls from the ages of seven to seven months. And that's basically it on my life story. Wow. Wow. That is a lot. Is that okay? That is wonderful. Yes, that is a lot. So tell me about your experience marching with Dr. King in the 60s. Okay, um, with pleasure. Um, I marched with Dr. King on March 5th, 1964 in Frankfurt to the Capitol lob to lobby for the state public accommodation bill. Dr. King led 10,000 black and white Kentuckians to the Capitol. Marching with Dr. King was Jackie Robinson, the first black major league baseball player, a famous activist by the name of Reverend White T. Walker, and lots and lots of students from Kentucky State College, me being one of them. Uh, having marched with Dr. King was one of the major highlights of my senior year at Kentucky State College, which of course is now a university. I, gradu I graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree in sociology and a minor in history in May, 1964. Dr. King came to Kentucky frequently because his brother, Reverend A.D. King, was pastor of Zion Baptist Church in Louisville. I also attended churches, the church when he came to town to speak. He was very personable and friendly at all times, both at the march and in Louisville. Legislatures in the General Assembly refused to pass the 1964 House Bill number 197, which was desegregating public accommodations. Nevertheless, in 1966, the governor of Kentucky signed the Civil Rights Act into law. 
there were two anniversary celebrations of the March on Frankfurt. First, 40th anniversary commemoration of the March on Frankfurt was held on March 3rd, 2004. Then on March 5th, 2014, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Civil Rights March on Frankfurt. It was a wonderful occasion. My family came from Louisville and all my staff and her family marched with me. There was a very large crowd of supporters that came to Frankfurt from around the Kentucky Commonwealth. That's basically it. Wow. So how did you feel? This is a question I didn't send you. So in 64, that bill didn't pass. No, it did not pass, Um, you know, which was a disappointment for us. But we had done the best we could as far as Mm -hmm. uh, drumming up support for it. The support was there, but the the legislatures, they refused to. They refused Mm -hmm. to pass it. Uh, fortunately, the governor at that time, Ned Breathitt, he mm-hmm. did sign into law um, the Civil Rights Act law in 1966. Nothing was really done until 1966. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's always important to get those that groundswell of support, isn't it? Oh, that's true. The really the brain to bring notice, and then of course. It was a lot of written up in the newspapers around the, around the state, you know, Lexington, Louisville, so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have learned over time that the newspaper reporters really can put emphasis on certain topics that's going on in the community. Mm-hmm. And do you think that method is effective still today? Oh yeah, I think it's effective. I think uh, I think it's very effective because otherwise, Kim, I don't think you would know. Right. You know, it'd right. be kept kept so quiet. But by being in the newspapers, and of course, I realize we're in the tech age, technology. Uh, but everybody doesn't have a computer, you right. know. Right. Uh, and then, of course, the television too. So. Yes, but I, I, I really don't want to leave the newspaper out because mm-hmm. for me personally, I really, um, we subscribe, I subscribe to the Louisville paper. I mm-hmm. like paper, I like the, the hard copy in my hand mm-hmm. so I can mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we're trying to do is get legislation that would make it illegal to take away the children of a parent just because the parent is disabled, because that is legal right now uh, to remove remove a child from the home simply because the parent is disabled. And that's something we're working on overturning right now. So maybe we need to um, try to get some newspaper coverage. Oh, yeah, I think I think the newspaper coverage would add more weight to our particular situation. And that's what I was going to bring up to uh, toward the end about our book and also the fact that we have this ugly law in Kentucky that can take away your child or children because you have a disability, which is yes. disgusting. 
It's yes. an insult. It is. It is an insult. And you know what? I think I will, we will arrange to have this, the link to this podcast sent to legislators. It, our time has come and the time is now. Excellent. That's awesome. You're so right. Um, so the next thing we're talking about disability, tell me how you think the disability rights movement intersects. How does disability rights intersect with the civil rights movement of the 60s? Disability intersects with the civil rights movement in the 1960s or even now. I think because we as persons with disabilities at that time were fighting for our rights and equality on all areas even as minorities, even though I'm African-American, we were fighting, we fight in the same battles, basically, because we were being discriminated against. When I say we, I mean, we as minorities and we as persons with disabilities were uh, being discriminated in such areas as housing, employment, and transportation. I just named a few, but there are other areas, of course, of which we were um, being discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we, when I was working here in Louisville at the Center for Accessible Living, on a weekend of the Derby weekend, back early on, uh, we worked with Adapt. You remember Adapt? Uh huh. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. Adapt representatives came to Louisville on the Derby weekend, and we blocked the buses. Okay, as a result of of blocking the buses, Tart decided to hire a person uh, to work with us and to make the Tart buses accessible. So So do you know what that that, stands for? That was a really extraordinary event. Uh huh. That is. It. Can you tell people what 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 is it? Tard. What does that stand for? Uh, Transit Authority of River City. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, that's what that is. Yeah, and Tard that, is for the uh, well, it was the it was the um, bus bus service, the local mm-hmm. city bus service here in Louisville. And what was the effect that had? Well, they were embarrassed. First of all. <laughs> <laughs> because we had people in wheelchairs that was parked in front of the bus. So mm-hmm. they were embarrassed. So with that embarrassment, it opened up services for us. So we eventually had services. They made them accessible to us. They were, we were able to ride the buses. Excellent. And, That's awesome. Uh, then later on, you know, we, we had the uh, ADA. Americans with Disabilities mm-hmm. Act, but of course that was that didn't pass until 1990. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it still opened the door. I feel for more uh, protection for us as persons with disabilities. Okay, is there anything else you want to talk about about uh, Dr. King or about activism? Yeah. Anything at all? Yes, I wanted to add just a few more things. Number one was our book. Okay. Okay. Our book. Uh-huh. A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, edited by Dave Mathis. Uh, I just wanted to to raise that because you and I, among others, we did a great job with the book and then also with outstanding help from from Dave Mathis. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh-huh. So definitely our book. Okay, Jerry. And I wanted has- to say thank you for inviting me to speak about Martin Luther King. Thanks to Jerry Gordon Brown for joining us today. And thanks everyone for joining us. Enjoy your celebrations of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his legacy. Have a great day. Thanks to Chris Duncan for our theme music. Thanks to Steve Moore for our providing our transcription. Support comes from the Center for Accessible Living in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. Say you've seen a change in me Just for once I think I would agree Spells out through